Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Zuvine for February 13th, 2021. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Catherine Smith. And welcome Tim Shiflett. Good morning, sir. And Catherine, let's try it again. Welcome Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. Hey, Catherine, it was showing you on. But I wasn't hearing any audio, so I didn't know what was going on. So we're going, we're a little out of order. Um, if you're listening to us live, you know this is an unusual time slot. Uh, with it tomorrow being Valentine's Day, we decided to get a show in. No guests, just us. And um, we're going in the morning time uh, to have some audio. So people that are, you know, listen to us maybe on Monday mornings, you'll have something um, to consume about Southern politics. Uh, but today we're going to look at several topics, most of them national, um, and right off, I guess the biggest um, newsmaker of the week politically was the second impeachment trial of Donald Trump, and this trial um, was very, very different from the first. I mean, obviously, it had much uh, flashier audio, uh, much more salacious content um, than you know whatever dealings in the Ukraine. Um, and then it also had, um, I guess, what lawyer or legal schools will use forever is um, just terrible defense <laughs> of any client. Um, Tim, I think that you watch more of this than Catherine or I. What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I was uh, fortunate to watch almost all of it. Of course, the uh, you, you know the way the way it started was was very odd because what the senators were going to do was debate and then vote on whether this trial was even constitutional or not. Uh, as everyone knows, the president was impeached while he was still president, and then um, thanks to some delays by the former majority leader, uh, this trial did not start until uh, the next president took office. And after debate, they had a 56-44 vote um, that, yes, it is constitutional. Six Republicans voted with the Democrats. And, you know, I'll stop my thoughts right there and let y'all jump in because you can see right there what what the outcome of this trial was going to be. So, Yes. Um, Catherine, um, I'm sure you, you know, consume maybe some of the content live or some of it uh, after the fact. What are some of your takes? Well, to be fair and honest, I, I haven't been watching very much of it. I, um, I've heard, heard a little bit on the radio. I haven't watched much. Um, and I've, of course, heard, you know, headlines from uh, friends and on, you know, I've, I've, I've read about it anyway. Um, I, I'm just 
so grateful that um, we're going through the process. Whether or not um, we ultimately convict him is, uh, to me, not as important as going through this process and making sure that it's in the history books and part of our, you know, part of our history uh, that we went through this process so that uh, we can hopefully learn something from it. Um, and the the competency of some of the people that are uh, defending uh, former President Trump and working on this project for him are is pretty much uh, it's shocking how uh, poorly prepared and uh, incompetent some of these people are. It yeah, and goes that's... to show how how um, how uh, illegitimate the whole thing is to me. That if you can't find competent people to defend you, maybe you need to just not even rise the defense. But you know, that's me. Yeah, well, I'll say this: is that's what should give him more pause is how incompetent his legal staff is, is because this thing is baked in. We know where, um, like Tim said, this is going. He's going to uh, not be convicted. They're not going to get to 60 votes. And um, simple could say, oh, well, this is a waste of time. But the good news, I think, is that it doesn't seem to have anything to do with the Biden administration. And so, therefore, it's not like this is using political capital that could be spent on passing policy initiatives for the American people. Um, you know, there's some people that are going to be angry about it, but they were going to be angry about whatever. Um, you know, if, if, if the minimum wage was raised by nickel, um, they would get on Facebook and Parler and everywhere else and, and you know, claim that was going to be the destruction of the economy. But what's the problem with having such a poor defense is that now a lot of these circuit, um, you know, courts, if you will, will be the courts themselves, so it'll be the prosecutors in these districts are going to bring claims against the Trump organization, not necessarily related to this presidency. Some may be if he used it um, incorrectly, but you know, some of these dealings in New York with his business dealings, possibly something in Florida. I did see that in Georgia, uh, the calls he made to Secretary Brad Raffensperger, they're looking at possibly doing some kind of prosecution there. He's not going to face the same um, dynamic where 60 out of 100 um, U.S. senators uh, have to vote to convict him. He's going to face a different um, judging body, um, and that judging body may not um, you know, be as quick to find the same uh, conclusion because it's going to be more of a uh, clear, typical, traditional, legal argument. Um, Tim, what do you think this bodes for other legal entanglements he may be involved in? Well, first of all, I think his major legal entanglement, uh, or at least according to national news sources, is money. Uh, people are really going to start going after him to pay some bills that he's not paying. Uh, there, there may be some major Trump properties for for instance, where say he owns thirty percent, but but uh, his name's on the building, that may change. Um, 
you know, he's been known for years as a guy that that uh, skirted around the edges of the law and not paying his bills and stuff like that. I think a lot of that's going to stop now. He doesn't have the power of the presidency to protect him, and he's just Donald Trump, private citizen. So we're going to we're got the first place we're going to see him have some real, real, real problem is in the area of his finances. And then uh, there there may be some some charges forthcoming, and uh, you know with with state and local uh, district attorneys. Uh, he couldn't even be protected federally if someone wanted to protect him federally then. So there's that. Um, But you were right about something, David. There were never going to be 17 Republicans, of course. There there, there just never were going to be. Not when we have a party where 71% of the voters think that, you know, not supporting Donald Trump is showing your disloyalty to the Republican Party. Whether we like it or not, Donald Trump still is that party. So um, that that's 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 where we're at with Trump's legal problems, anyway. So yes, and so it's a two-thirds majority, not sixty votes. It's a, it would be right. sixty-seven. It's sixty-seven. Yeah. Right. Unless unless you could get somebody to vote. Point six of a conviction, um, yeah. Because sometimes some of these numbers, because you know you override vetoes, and um, sometimes it's uh, what do you need for the filibuster, and and there's all these different levels. So see, I mean, that makes it even harder to add another additional seven Republican senators when ten yeah, you're probably going to get ten in the first place. But th- this case was so different. I wish people. If you could have seen the first impeachment trial and this one, it, it was just like two totally separate. The first one was mundane. It, it it just went on and on and on. A lot of people didn't understand what they were even hearing. It, it just got downright boring. This thing, especially uh, the Democrats' case that they presented, it was just remarkable with this massive amount of video and, and pictorial footage. Uh, 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 a whole lot of it had never been seen by the public before. Uh, it, it was really disturbing. And 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 one thing, Catherine, I, I want to add to what you said: it is important. This goes on for historical purposes. Forever, we will have this footage of, of, of what happened. Historians, will, when they write about this 100 years from now, will be able to lay out this perfect timeline of what happened on that awful day. And people need to know about it so that it hopefully will never happen again. Yeah, well, speaking of history, um, I guess when we're going through American history in school, uh, they talk about the Whiskey Rebellion and Shays Rebellion. Of course, these were um, protests um, that took place after the Revolution, not like the you know Boston Tea Party and things like that. You know, it's covered in a way, and uh, where these people are you know portrayed as you know somewhat heroic, and this to me is. 
it's somewhat like it without, you know, laying out all the details of it. These people, you know, did what they did. Is this, with the way we had the footage and see how really unheroic they were on January 6th, is that going to, y'all think, cause people to reexamine how we look at Shay's Rebellion? And I guess it was the Whiskey Rebellion that happened in the early days of the country, I guess, while we were still under the Articles Confederation. Well, you, you won't either one of us to answer. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Or Catherine, if you you want to – and then Tim? Um, that's a really interesting question. I, I haven't really thought about that. Um, I don't think so. I, I think um, – I think the fact that the president – was so uh, so much a part of this makes it a different kind of beast. Um, but you know, we never know what we never know what history is going to uh, tell us while we're living it, right? So you know, fifty, a hundred, a hundred and fifty, two hundred years from now. We don't know how, exactly how people are going to interpret what happened on January 6th, 2021. Um, it's going to, I think having this trial and, or however you call it, uh, on record and uh, interpretations that will be written going forward will, you know, help form that um, view, but and having the, you know, uh, in-person witness uh, testimony and, um, but, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it would, that's an interesting question. I have to think about it a little bit more and do, do a little more uh, thinking about those various um, historical um, protests. What do you think, Tim? Well, as, as far as uh, the... Daniel Shea's Rebellion, or what's more commonly known as the Whiskey Rebellion, it, it, it was to me a completely different animal. Uh, a bunch of farmers and others just got angry about some taxes that were being levied, and so they took federal official hostage out in Pennsylvania, and so um, President George Washington. Uh, for the first and only time in the history of this country, invoked the Second Amendment of the Constitution and called up multiple state militias. And and he and uh, Alexander Hamilton actually led the uh, militias out to put down the rebellion. When they got there, their bodies surrendered. That was the end of it. Um uh, on this, uh, a, a difference about this one was the Whiskey Rebellion wasn't on television. <laughs> this one was live and in color to the horror of the entire world who saw it. And it will be forever memorialized. Dan, Dan Rather wrote a book uh, a few years ago called The Camera Never Blinks. Well, it doesn't. 
It was right there taking footage, both inside and outside. This thing was covered uh, in every way possible. All the perpetrators are on film. They cannot deny that they were there. They cannot deny they busted out windows. They cannot deny that they attacked police officers. They cannot attack that they violently did things, hurt people. They cannot deny that they were screaming for the heads of the vice president or the speaker of the house or or any other number of officials. They, They can't deny any of that. It's all on film. And, uh, the witnesses that, that, you know, fill in the, the gaps pretty much tell a complete story and it, it's just historical, more solid even than the story of, of uh, Daniel Shea's rebellion. So uh, yeah. that, that's yeah. that. And, and the people in both rebellions seem much more analogous to each other than, of course, the way the presidential leadership handled these things. Amazingly, Donald yeah. Trump uh, it, it pales <laughs> in so many ways to George Washington's leadership, well, and, and does that well, give us any surprise? Uh, but Donald Trump, well, I'll tell I mean, you that he's, he's a better president. He was a better president than um, yeah, well, George Washington, I mean, which is just absolutely I mean, comical. David, David, one president put her, put it down, and the other president caused it. Promoted <laughs> it, yeah. You know. Yeah, well, let's kind of get into some other facets of it. Um, I'd watched, like, video pieces of it after on YouTube because, you know, I'm from 7 in the morning to 5.30 at night, and that's if I don't have a game. You know, I'm just – I have no time to sit there and watch. I'm not with a TV, if you will, that just gives live TV. Um, And so, therefore, I watch bits and pieces of it when I can. Uh, And one thing that struck me is I've heard there's a several – people prosecuting this case um, that are are really um, making a name for themselves. But one I had never heard of was um, the delegate to uh, the Virgin Islands, Stacey Plaskett. And she's the one that went through a lot of the video showing, like, this is where the riders were. This is where Mike Pence was. This is where Mitt Romney was, because I think they were two of the people really close to – so, you know some of the events that happened, and I was just absolutely blown away. I, I'd never even heard of Stacy Plaskett because I guess you know being the delegate to the Virgin Islands, she doesn't get a lot of attention. And I'm sitting there going, I, "Well, first I want to know where she's from because I didn't. I just figured she was a congresswoman from a one of the 50 states." I was like, "Wow, what a rising star!" And now I'm like, well, we need to, you know, statehood for Virgin Islands so we can promote her uh, to, to Senate or something else. And, yeah, and I mean, I, I, I kid you not, <laughs> and I've seen if this happened before Joe Biden would have picked his vice president, I've been like, could she be selected? I mean, not that she should have gotten the nod over Kamala Harris, but she could have been in the running. I, I think she might have been more impressive than a, a name or two on his short list. I was just absolutely uh, mesmerized at how what's a solid, effective speaker she is. Um, Catherine, did you? I know you watched very little. Did you happen to see anything about Stacy Plaskett? I I did not see her, but I heard a lot about how impressive she was, and uh, and I, I love that these um, 
these kind of events, you know, uh, bring people like her to the front and allow us to see all the amazing um, people that we have in our government that we don't get to see, you know. Um, so I'm really glad that they gave her some uh, screen time and really fortunate. We're really fortunate. It's just a really good example of how, how many great people there are that we don't get a chance to see very much of. So um, bravo that we got to learn more about her. Yeah, Tim, you can speak to her or anybody else that helped prosecute the case since you see saw the overwhelming majority she, of this. She she was brilliant. She was she 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 to me was was the star of the show. Uh more 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 than than any of them. She she was terrific and I was I was sitting here thinking I might have even mouthed it out loud. Let's move that lady to, to Florida. <laughs> Let's get her in a congressional district there. I wish she was a voting member. Uh but but she 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 was just wonderful. More more interesting than the the prosecution. What was the defense? Oh oh it it was they only spoke for oh about three hours yesterday, um whereas the the Prosecution took up much of two days, a little less than their sixteen allotted hours. These guys only spoke for about three hours. I guess they figured, why bother? And considering some of the some of the things they said, uh, you talk about not ready for prime time, uh, brother. It, it, it was some of it was tough to watch. You should have seen the 11 minute montage yesterday of Democrats uh, uh, saying the word fight uh, accompanied by rousing music. That that was uh, that was tough to watch. Did, did either one of y'all see that? I, I, I heard about the argument that um, Hillary Clinton's use of the theme song fight song um, basically, you know, was equal to what Donald Trump did in that speech on January yeah. 6th, which is just, you know, I, bizarre. I I want to say one more thing to Jamie Raskin, who was the lead prosecutor, congressman from um, Maryland. Of course, about everybody, you know, that follows politics in the country knows who he is and uh, knew who his father was before him, although his father was not an elected official. He was um, he he w- he was brilliant as well. I thought the the defense uh, or, or the the Democrats rather presented a terrific case. It, it, it was it was really stark, especially the way they were able to use video. I mean, almost on a second by second thing, guys. They they laid out this timeline like you just would not believe. And, and no amount of time. They would show what Trump was saying while something was going on at the Capitol. It, it was just, it, it was riveting. It, it, if anyone out there listening wants to see this video, I'm sure it is all over the Internet. Go find it and, and watch it. You'll, it. It is really something to see. It's very sobering to see, too, because we, we saw some uh, tragic things happen on it. But uh, 
Uh, I, I wish everyone could have been off and watched this this week. I do. Well, let's um, uh, talk about what we hadn't seen and we'd like to see. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I uh, Mike Pence was in far more danger, um, or it showed just how much danger he was in. Apparently, the, his uh, nuclear football, and I'm not sure how that works with um, if the president has his and the vice president has his, which one's enabled, or are they both enabled? But it was in peril, which is pretty scary to think that these guys that – whatever they did, if they possibly could have gotten a hold of that, um, you know, how dangerous that could have been. And the fact that they could have gotten a hold of him, the vice president of the United States, which they were saying they wanted to hang. And, and you, I think, have to take them at their word. Um, but then Mike Pence is saying, I guess, through channels that, oh, he still, you know, stands by Donald Trump. Wouldn't you like to see him on the stand Answering questions about he, how he um, reacted to you know the events leading up to and on January sixth and following January sixth because I think if he was asked pointed direct questions there might begin to be more cracks in their relationship revealed and maybe at some point he just breaks and, and repudiates uh, what Donald Trump did in all this. Um, what would you like to see, Catherine, that we hadn't seen thus far? Well, I'd like to see that. I, I agree with you. I think um, Pence and, uh, you know, we saw the peril that um, that Mitt Romney was in as well, um, how close it, it came to him, you know, being assaulted by that gang. Um, what else I'd like to see? Um, of course, I'd love to see uh, former President uh, Trump on the stand and see, you know, how how we can rattle him, but that's not going to happen, of course. Um, I I don't know what else. I mean, we'll have to see what else the defense is. The, is the defense done? Or are they going to come back on Monday, Tim? No, no, they're they're done. They they may move to a final vote today if if no witnesses oh, okay. are called. Well, I, I I don't I don't know what else I'd, I would have liked to have seen. I think they did a great job of presenting their case on the um, prosecution, and the defense had no. I mean, they were just graph video and um, some of the, so I, I did see a few clips of their attorneys just sort of, you know, really grasping at straws and uh, not really coming up with anything. So I think we're in good stead. I, I mean, obviously we all know that um, what the, what the results will be, but we have it on record now. And uh, I think that's the best part of all this to me. Yeah, um, well, Tim, what was something that you um, would like to see that you hadn't? And no, a conviction is not a, an okay answer in this question because I know we're not getting that. Well, I, I would have loved to have seen some witnesses called. I really would have. Now, I, one of the best moments that happened yesterday, one of the defense attorneys decided he was going to be Mr. Tough Guy. He was from uh, – 
Philadelphia, he kept getting up to answer all the questions during the question and answer session. And he was just mouthing and mouthing and mouthing and talking about how this is a witch hunt. How could you say what was in President Trump's mind? You don't have any evidence. Your evidence is flawed. Uh, this and that and the other. You don't know what President Trump was doing, to which Jamie Raskin responded and said, you know, here's a letter we sent the president asking him, inviting him over here to answer, fill in the blank, say anything you wanted to say. And he turned us right down. Now, I would love to have seen Donald Trump subpoenaed. Uh, He probably wouldn't come out of love to send it. I also would have loved to have seen what Mike Pence would have said, even though I think he would be very loyal. And uh, I do think they should have called Tommy Tuberville because he exposed the lie that the defense kept telling that Trump did not know how serious the situation was for his own vice president when Tommy Tuberville had him on the phone and told reporters that last night that, you know, Mr. President, they are taking the vice president out of here right now, and they're telling me I need to get get off the phone. I got to go. Bye. And then he laughed and said, I'm probably the only person in this country that's hung up on Donald Trump, you know. Ha, ha, ha. But... I'd, li- I'd love to have seen him get up on the stand and, and, and say all of that. So, yeah, uh, and and I would have loved to have seen some of the uh, staff members and stuff get up who who were caught inside in those offices under tables, and I would have liked for them to have described the terror that they felt in, the, in their own words right there on the stand. I, I just think it would have been uh, very good for, for the – history to record all of that too what about you david what would you like to see well as like i said mike pence i really think if you really got him on the stand put a lot of questions and you know this could even be done not as part of this trial but maybe in some type of interview on a 60 minutes type program um he's going to do a podcast it could be that it, it you know although he's going to be the one asking the questions but the right guest gets on maybe he's going to um Kind of get real, if you will, especially as he begins to see that he really has no future in the Republican Party. He can kind of tell how he feels because um, you know he's got to, to – one, he knew a lot of this wasn't right going in because he knows far more about government and the way things should work. And, and he's a more ethical mm-hmm. human being than Donald Trump. I mean that's – you know, mm-hmm. and so at some point it's kind of – I don't know you can say him. that anymore. I don't know you can say I, that he's more ethical I think he anymore. knows better. I don't know that Donald Trump knows better a lot of times because I think Donald Trump's upbringing after reading the Mary Trump book was just uh, – uh, Fred Trump just didn't even uh, you know, have, have a real moral compass that he instilled in Donald Trump. Um, you know, I, I well, think, I think that makes it worse. It, it may make it, it worse. It I don't worse. disagree with you that. And there's a lot of Republicans in this boat, and that's kind of get that'll segue into our next topic is – You've got so many Republicans, they do know better, 
and, and they still mm-hmm. they understand that so much of this base, right. uh, the the people that either right. did what they did on January sixth, but are they approve? Right. And that's like thirty something percent of the Republican Party that approve right. of what these people did on January sixth. That they're but, so loyal to Trump, Tim. Yeah, but before we leave this topic, I, I think there's something else that needs to be mentioned here, and that's the human cost. Uh, Officer Sicknick was killed during this thing. We 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 saw his remains brought to the Capitol to, to lie in state in the rotunda. We need to always remember that too. Two of the officers after this took their own lives because they were traumatized. 140 others were injured. One of one, one very touching moment yesterday came at the very end of of uh, proceedings when uh, the majority leader uh, and the minority leader both took the floor. And announced that uh, Eugene Goodman, the, the hero cop of the day, was going to be awarded a congressional gold medal, and he got this massive standing ovation. Uh, another piece of footage, by the way, showed that it was Eugene Goodman who literally saved Mitt Romney from from either getting badly hurt or, or, or killed because Romney and his staff were walking right into the mob and did know it, and it was Eugene Goodman who ran down the hall and pointed them in, and sent them in the opposite direction. Um, that that was on some of the footage. That, and you know, Mitt Romney did not even know that it was Eugene Goodman who did that until that Video footage was shown there in the Senate. Uh, But there was a huge human cost to this thing, and we should never forget that. Yeah. Well, let me kind of segue over, and that would be, uh, you know, to what the future of the Republican Party is and the hold that Donald Trump has on the party. After all of this, you know, they still – they won't quit him. Um, you know, I know that some people said after this trial, they said, oh, well, this probably means that, you know, Donald Trump won't be the nominee in 2024. I see no evidence of that. He may not be, but it's not because of this trial. It's really, I think, because he decides that um, he doesn't want to run or possibly, possibly their midterms in 2022 are just so unexpectedly bad that uh, and, and the you know the losses somehow get blamed on Trump because he is this major figure that campaigns against certain individuals, um, and they get primary and lose, or he um, uh, uh, campaigns for folks and it gets used against them. That's possibly the only way I think that he doesn't become the nominee in 2024 if he wants it. Um, Catherine, what do you think about the whole Donald Trump has on this party? I think it's pretty rock solid at this point. Uh, but I think it's always, it's, you know, it's politics that changes quick can change quickly. And uh, I think a lot will depend on 
you know, as we were talking earlier about how his uh, financial uh, house starts to crumble and um, how he is able to access his people because, you know, he doesn't have the social media access that he had for so long. And uh, it'll, it, it's just going to be interesting to see how he uh, how he wrangles that that base that he has such a strong hold on uh, in the coming months and years to see what happens in 2024. And also, we have to see. I mean, a lot's going to depend on how Joe Biden does. Uh, like you said, what happens in the midterms. Um, but as of right now, yeah, he's got a very strong hold on the party. And uh, I don't think uh, some of the leadership of the party really knows what to do about that. Like, I don't think they have a um, uh, a path. Those who do not support him or question his uh, real, you know, leadership of abil- abilities, I don't see, think they see a I don't know that they see a path uh, without him. So I don't know. I don't know how the leadership of the party and, you know, people like uh, Kinsinger and those guys, what are they going to do? Are they going to try to form another party? Are they going to just sort of be out on their own and hope that they can wrangle their people to get reelected so that they can, you know, sort of, manage this going forward, uh, you know, as a marathon instead of a sprint. I, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what their uh, path is. Tim, what, what is your take on why Donald Trump continues to have such a strong grip on the Republican party? Well, one thing is structurally has his people in control of the uh, Republican National Committee. He has his people in control of of all of the state parties. He has his people in control of, of parties uh, down to the local level in almost all cases all over the country. And secondly, he's brought a lot of fringe people into the mainstream of the, of the party uh, to the point where uh, – Forty percent, I'd say, of Republican voters in this country are just, you know, Trump loyalists. End of story. Uh, they are. Uh, he he's he's you know he's everything to that party right now. He is the party, and those who really would like to get rid of him are afraid to try because they realize how politically damaging. Uh, it would be for him, and I think a few are actually physically afraid to try to do anything. Uh, so it was hoped, you know, that maybe after he left the presidency that uh, the party would drift away from him. But I just don't see that happening as long as his own people are in control of the party apparatus, do you? No, not at all. Um, and, and, you know, you're talking about that there's just that other side, the non-Trump side has no organization. Uh, Bruce Melman, he puts together a slide series, I think, about quarterly um, out of D.C., and it, it's really one of the more interesting things that, you know, comes out because he's really got a unique uh, sense and way to look at things. And he showed a whole slide about the 
anti-Trump and the Trump forces. And one of the big things is the people that, that know that Donald Trump's not good for the Republican Party, not good for the country. There's just no structure and organization. They're leaderless, um, and, and there's nothing to build from. And until they can coalesce and build some kind of plan, um, they're nowhere. And we know like you know, Larry Hogan is talking about running, uh, and he would be from that camp, if you will. But like if five or six of those people run um, – they're going to split that vote anyway, and I think it's going to be interesting to see a lot of these folks that are cozying up to Donald Trump, like the Ted Cruz's and the Josh Hollies, and you know, even uh, which I think probably have more star power with this group, the Christy Gnomes and the Marjorie Taylor Greens. How are they going to position themselves if Donald Trump runs again? Because that lets that, that you know that makes them wait around another cycle to make their big move. Um, do any of them decide to get disaffected and criticize Donald Trump, or is that a no-win situation? I mean, I, I just—it's just unbelievable that Ted Cruz—he's mm -hmm. um, playing the long, long game, but I mean, he just looks so coreless and, and like he stands for nothing after the way Donald Trump treated him in 2016. To, you know, to to um, back him in the way he does. Uh, Catherine. Well, David. Oh, go ahead, Tim. I was going to ask you a question right quick, and Catherine can sure. answer too, because I want someone to explain this polling to me. Polling shows right now that among Republican voters, Donald Trump is ten points more popular than the Republican Party is, and these are Republican voters. So, y'all want to take a crack at that and. Tell me what's going on. <laughs> that is that is a bizarre, bizarre poll, and of course it is polling because you know we've seen some bizarre polls. Uh, you know, Tony Fabrizio he had one that showed that Donald Trump well, was seemingly more popular than Joe Biden, and you're like, well, let's say it's true. No, let's say it's true. Let's say yeah. it's true and go from there. Uh, yeah, I, I understand, <laughs> and I think you have to look at the polls to begin to believe they're true, or some of them are true to kind of get a picture. And try to sift through this data. Um, I guess it's it's a lot of the folks that like him just don't like the Republican Party, whereas there's people that don't like him but still like the Republican Party, but they're not going to criticize him since he's the had been the standard bearer. That may be <laughs> the, the, the dynamic. Those those voters, those Trump voters that he brought in that didn't vote before he was on the ballot, they are loyal to him. Not the Republican Party, and therefore that's the big fear if he were to break off and have his own party. Now, of course, the Democrats would win because you would take you know forty three percent of the vote and you know bust it in half, and there's no way to get a majority at that point. But um, they kind of need each other even to get to that you know mid middling forties percent of the vote nationally. Some places it's over fifty percent. Um, they have the majority in a lot of states. Um, even with the um, diminished view of the, you know, party and the candidate, Catherine. Well, you know, I just have to go back to something that Tim said, and I just think it's chilling that um, some people, like some of our elected officials, and I think this is absolutely true, are abs are actually afraid that their lives are in danger. If they don't support the, the former president, 
Um, and I think that's absolutely true. I think there's enough crazy people out here that would bring harm to someone if they, you know, spoke out like, like uh, Kinzinger or whoever, you know, Hogan. Um, if these fellows or, you know, not all fellows, if these people, uh, you know, spoke out uh, publicly against Donald Trump and, you know, managed to gain some momentum that their lives were at risk, that they faced danger uh, and violence. I just think that's chilling. And uh, it's really scary that um, this is where we are, that this is the kind of um, reaction that um, a former president can instill in his, uh, in his base. So I think until we, you know, can, I mean, what, is everybody going to have to have, are all these people going to have to have, you know, constant security? I mean, are all our Congress people going to have to be surrounded by bodyguards from now on? It's really scary to think that that's where we're headed. Yeah, I mean, that's sad for a lot of reasons. One, it's sad, the optics of it. It's sad that we would then have to spend that much more of taxpayer dollars that we could be doing things on behalf of the American people, on security. And then also that creates a layer of um, of divide between government officials and their people that they're uh, representing, and that's going to cause you know, issues, if you will. Um, and it also, it also well, puts a chill on uh, people engaging and deciding to run. Yes. You know, if, it's, if, if, it, mm-hmm. if you're taking your life in your hands to run as a Democrat in a um, – in a you know, Republican or in, in a purple district, then, you know, you're probably not, you're, you can probably decide not to. I, I just think it's chilling to c- contemplate that. I mean, I think it's absolutely true, but I, it just makes me worry. I mean, we've all been worried about our Republic and our democracy for a long time, but these kind of, um, this kind of aftermath from the four years of uh, President Trump are it's just it's very sad and uh scary well um kind of juxtaposing this you know we've discussed donald trump the republican party the entire time pretty much i mean other than some people that prosecuted um the case joe biden's been in office you know roughly a month now um Done, taken a lot of actions, um, secured what 200 million uh, new um, doses of the you know the um, vaccine just this week. He's doing a lot of just boring but effective governing, and his and his approval ratings are pretty solid, uh, far better than Donald Trump's ever were. Yet he makes no news, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um, how is that going to complicate? What the Republican Party does is if the Republican Party for about five years now has built, been built on sensationalism and sizzle and getting attention, and yet it led to less popularity, and then Joe Biden has this uh, you know, governing style that doesn't get a lot of attention, doesn't make tons of news, and it's boring, and people can maybe think about other things, particularly if we weren't doing insurrections at the Capitol. And it's better liked. Um, does that cause the Republicans to say maybe we need to go back to a more professional, boring style of governing, Jim? Nope. 
Nope, it doesn't. They're turning their attention immediately upon completion of this trial today to the midterm elections, and they see very good chances that they will reassert control of both houses of Congress. They certainly are not going to change. As that party swings, their their tone is going to get more shrill, not less so. I'm afraid we're going to see more of of the roadmap that Donald Trump used to ascend to power. Too many others uh, seem willing to try it. No, you're not going to see anything different. Yeah, but you talk about, you know, they're going to start looking at the midterm elections. Um, if you look at where um, a lot of those elections are being held, um, there's not a lot of great pickup opportunities for them. Um, you know, Mark Kelly and Raphael Warnock, that just won special elections. Those are probably your top two Democratic targets. Um, I don't know. I, particularly Mark Kelly, I, it seemed like he won so convincingly. And then Raphael Warnock just built on his majority from November 3rd to January. Um, so therefore, he doesn't look as vulnerable as you know, some might think, particularly if it's, he faces a candidate like, say, a Marjorie Taylor Greene statewide. So where do you pick up those seats? At the same time, you've got to defend Pennsylvania against now John Fetterman, who seems to be the, the most popular Pennsylvania. Uh, politician in Pennsylvania now. So that means you need to pick up another seat. Um, so therefore, picking up the Senate is going to be very, very difficult for the Republicans. The House is a different animal, and we know that the new lines are uh, totally in question when we'll be using new lines. And so um, that may be a more plausible uh, scenario. Um, Catherine, what's your thoughts on the Republicans you know, you know, turning immediately to 2022? That's why they're, all the state legislatures are trying to uh, suppress the vote and figure out ways that, to make it harder for people to vote. They know they can mm-hmm. win fair and square, so they have to, you know, stop having drop boxes, limit access to um, absentee voting, uh, increase the demands for voter ID. I mean, there's, what, 21 bills in the Georgia legislature about voting this already mm-hmm. and there's like mm-hmm. a, a bunch of them in Alabama and in Mississippi. Um, this is their absolute, um, I mean, it's happening across the country, but especially, it, I, I mean, I think we'll see it, especially in places where uh, we think there's a lot of minority um, or BIPOC vote and uh, where were you know sort of purple uh yeah that's that's their answer they don't they they know they can't win but that only gets i mean that republican that republican uh party leader in in georgia said even said it out loud we have to draw the we have to make it make it we have to draw these districts whatever she said so that republicans can win i mean they're not even shy about saying it yeah, well, and, and that may help them at the state house level, the state senate. It could help them, you know. Possibly they could work around uh, Carol Bo- Carolyn Bordeaux and Lucy McBath's districts and and get one of those for sure. Um, which that, then that plays into you know winning back the house at the national level. But at the senate, they can't change the lines, so they can suppress the vote, and that might. No, I'm not get talking a- about the lines. I'm talking about the yeah. 
suppressing and the vote. allowing people to vote. Yes, and yeah. so therefore that can get you Georgia. If you did it right, and I don't know that it does. I think Raphael Warnock, you give him incumbency and constituent services and everything else. He's probably – and people have elected him once, so a lot of the game plan that Kelly Leffler used will not be nearly as effective next time, and it wasn't effective this time. And so, therefore, that's the only one you can get because Arizona just doesn't have the demographics, and I think Mark Kelly's just far too popular. And, and then you're talking about New York, Vermont, uh, New Hampshire. I guess that becomes one of your better targets is New Hampshire. There's just nothing there. And at the same time, John Fetterman – this guy has an it factor. I mean, I don't know if this guy's going to lose. Ohio is just trending more Republican, but Tim Ryan will be a solid candidate. And you've got North Carolina in which um, – and maybe hopefully for him, Richard Burr doesn't run since he's in such uh, peril with what he did with stock trades. Um, but he's not going to run again. And so for that, that's going to be an open seat. Mm. And at some point, people feel North Carolina begins to trend more like Virginia and now more like Georgia. So – the three seats to defend are probably the three toughest seats to defend are Republican, maybe three of the four, if you want to say Ohio is a little easier to defend than um, Georgia. Tim? Well, uh, I, I look at history for one thing. The party in power normally does not do well at all in the midterms. The last time got right now the Democratic Party has a double-digit lead on the Republican Party in popularity. The last time that happened was 13 months before the Democrats were slaughtered at the polls in 2014. When you got a 50-50 split in the Senate, I think anything can happen. I, I really do. You might have some Democratic senators decide not to run. That that could happen. Anything could happen. If the Republicans hold Every every seat they're running in and somehow pick up one, there it is. And if Democratic voters don't get out and vote, uh, I, I'm, I will predict that we'll lose the House. So I'm not no. as positive uh, in my outlook uh, uh, about that. And on this suppression thing, Catherine had a good idea, David. 33 states right now uh, where the legislatures are controlled by Republicans, or the whole system is controlled by Republicans in some cases, are looking at these types of laws to apply to next year's election, including are the, you know, the legislatures in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and in Arizona. So, you know, who who knows what they might try to pull. Yeah, no, I, th I think those are real, and it's a problem, and it definitely affects the House. It's just in the past years, we've had, you know, we held seats like North Dakota and Missouri. You know, we had candidates that were really popular when they got elected, and the state just turned. You know, last time we had to defend Alabama, we just don't have any of those states on the map this time. Um, and mm. I think that it's helpful. Um, Georgia is the only state that has any kind of Republican roots that's currently held. Well, I guess Arizona with Kelly, but I just I, I just think Kelly is just a, a so popular. It, it would be so hard to beat him. So the rest of the states that the Democrats are, have Senate senators up for reelection are all seats that you know we've won multiple times in presidential elections and other statewide elections. 
And so, therefore, um, you know, you, you start talking about flipping Oregon's and California's and Colorado's, you know, that's that's a pretty tall order. Um, well, let's talk about, you know, we've said that, you know, this, the House, I'm going to start, the Senate is 50-50. And um, there was an interesting poll that came out since the last time, or actually it was more of a post-mortem, since the last time we were on the air. And it was um, by Donald Trump's pollster, uh, Tony Fabrizio, Fabrizio and Associates. And some of these numbers were a little strange, one showing that um, in both states that flipped and states that didn't, um, you know, Donald Trump was more popular than Joe Biden. Mike Pence was the most popular um, – it had the most popular image. Um, I want to use the right term. They used a positive image um, of any of the four candidates. But it showed that Kamala Harris in his polling had the most negative image. Um, of the states that flipped, she was underwater 49-46, and of the states that Donald Trump held, she was underwater 52-42. Now, we know that this election was decided at the top of the ticket um, more so than the, the, the running mates, but given that Kamala Harris's VP is, is so much more important in that it's 50-50 Senate, and you know, there's a lot of people that think she'll be – the um, standard bearer for the party going into the primary season in 2024, were given Joe Biden's age. Um, this polling was was kind of interesting, and also it kind of mirrored maybe some of Hillary Clinton's polling, to where um, she was very popular in the Democratic Party, but then wasn't as popular um, elsewhere. Now the good news is we have these numbers, and there's three and a half years, three and three quarters years to fix it, if you will. Um, Catherine, when you saw these numbers, what were your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think it's obvious. She's a black woman. I mean, I don't think there's you need to go much further than that. Well, I mean, and, but you're running on a ballot, and therefore you've got to get votes. And so we can say, well, that's unfair, and it absolutely is in both scores. But how do you remediate it to where she can be a 50% plus one candidate? Or plurality. Well, you you have to you have to do, uh, you know, like always, uh, women have to you know. What did they say about Ginger Rogers? She uh, had to do everything that Fred Astaire did, only backwards and in high heels. Uh, <laughs> we, have, you know, they have to work. We have to work harder to elect uh, women, and especially black women in this country. Uh, I I don't know if that uh, if there's a reckoning coming uh, that might change some of that. Um, I mean, we have so many brilliant black women uh, in leadership positions in this country that are making incredible inroads into leadership and uh, progressive change, and not, not just progressive change, but just change um, that we might that that could have an impact and improve those numbers but uh i mean i just think it require it just means we have to work really hard and that work hmm. is worth it well tim um your, your thoughts on the numbers first well i i think you know there is definitely a gender bias at certain levels of politics in this country i don't think we can deny that even more than race, I think that's something right now we've got to overcome in the political process in this country. That's the next 
big thing we've got to overcome in, in the process in this country. Other nations have women and have for generations who have led those nations, and we have just never gotten to that point, I don't think, mentally in this country for some reason. It's it's never crossed a lot of people's mind that a qualified woman could do as well or better as a qualified man in a lot of jobs. But the, but that I think that's the way it is. And what she's going to have to do, David, is uh, she's going to, for one thing, do nothing controversial. Uh, for another thing, be a traditional vice president. Show, show, you know, look how well I do the job. She needs to get some good positive airtime, and she needs <coughs> to build her own network. If she wants yeah. to run for president, she has to do those things. But don't you think there's a gender bias? Most definitely. I think the gender bias is, is, is much more so than the racial bias. I mean, different right. people are going to look at it different ways. I mean, you could talk to an individual, and one bias is much stronger than the other. But on the whole, I mean, Barack Obama was elected twice at the time by rec- the most record voting share. Uh, Hillary Clinton was. Mm-hmm. Uh, just here in Georgia, African-American Raphael Warnock man defeated white woman um, Kelly Leffler. Uh, once again, Georgia mm-hmm. is still that state. Did no no statewide uh, women ever elected uh, to a right. top level office, Senate, and right. governor. Um, and and yep. so I think it's something we got to look at because one, we got to try to remediate it and and try to um, get her popularity up as high as possible. But if it stays there, then that's something the Democratic Party's got to think about: is does Joe Biden have yep. to? Go to terms. Do you have to look elsewhere? Because let's say Donald Trump is going to be the standard bearer, and you know that these numbers are there, and you're going to do a 2016 redux and and risk that. And we know that the 2020 mm-hmm. election was don't risk a 2016 redux. I mean these are numbers we're going to have to watch closely, but for the sake of Kamala Harris, the Democratic Party, and America moving forward, it would be best if – she can improve these numbers, and people can see what's good about her and effective about her leadership. Well, um, next week, we ended the show with Kamala Harris. Our guest is going to be her biographer uh, that wrote uh, Kamala's, uh, um, Kamala's Way uh, from uh, California, uh, Dan, and if somebody can help me, I've, it's early in the morning. Um, let me pull my episodes up. Um, I, he's so so gracious to come on our show. And actually, I haven't booked the show. I haven't put the show on Blog Talk Radio. I've booked the show. I've booked the next three shows. Um, but he's going to be on with us, and we're so excited about having her biographer on the show. And so until next week, been the Kudzu Vine. Morning, guys. Bye, everybody. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.